Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts Sam Foote and Anne Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in the space. This week is episode eight of season three. We're going to have a chat around Azure Key Vault, a secure location developers can use to source sensitive information that can be programmatically accessed in their applications. Hey, Alan, how's it going? Hey, Sam, it's not too bad. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Another week, another podcast. It seems to fly by, which is good. Uh, episode eight of season three, uh, motoring along, which is, uh, yeah, really good. And hopefully some exciting updates coming for the podcast soon. Um, branding a website, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah, looking forward to that. And I can't believe we're on episode eight already. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely, for, for me, um, prep and uh, getting things sorted is is feeling uh, more refined every episode we do it, right? You know, getting into the, the swing of, um, you know, uh, dedicating a night a week to the podcast and, and moving it along. So, yeah, I'm having lots of fun doing it. How about you? Yeah, definitely. I think our... Um... Changes to our content creation sort of ideas, things like that, our, our show note prep and stuff like that is our tooling is definitely a lot better now. Yeah, I think had. just our, our, um, our workflow is just so much better, isn't it? Right. Start to finish, you know, because before, you know, season one, we just had no clue uh, sort of what we were doing. <laughs> um, and then season two, um, we started to work on uh, still getting content out, you know, consistently, but then also improving that workflow, which I think is, you know, made it a lot easier to actually create. So yeah, it's been, it's been really good. Okay. So, um, as your key vault, Alan, um, Alan's going to take the, um, the sort of, uh, point lead on this one as our subject matter expert, as Alan does love a good key vault. So <laughs> this should be a, uh, this should be a good episode and hopefully, um, Others that have maybe uh, not had any direct exposure to it or are wondering how Keyboard operates, um, this could be a good one for you. So let's get into it. Um, so, Alan, uh, what is Azure Keyboard? So, I will just point out that I probably only use about 20% of this probably in, in my day to day. So, uh, know about some of the other stuff, but um, maybe not as deep as uh, the part that I use. So, Azure Key Vault is a, um, as it sounds, a vault to store keys and secrets. Um, and of course, securely. So um, these keys could be anything, really. Um, it could be from, you know, API keys to, you know, Azure AD, service principle secrets or app registrations, um, passwords, um, certificates, and uh, uh, crypto, <laughs> crypto keys. Um so yeah, that like I said, they're stored in in a container. Um, there are two types of containers that you can sort of do when you you create them, and one is just just a vault. I say just a vault, but in effect a cloud vault. Um, and then the other one is a uh, managed uh, hardware security module based one, so HSM. So actually, the, um, the 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 name isn't actually that descriptive of you know. Uh, maybe originally that's what it was just for, right? But we've got many different types of. Is it effectively any sort of secure um, strings can be um, stored, Alan? Because it could be other sort of sensitive information, could it? 
Yeah, so I think it, like you said, probably started off with being, you know, a, a location for certificates to be stored, which kind of makes sense of it being called Key Vault. Um, but yes, it now can be any sort of string, like you said, yes. Um, and there are various, um, you know, there's versioning on it, there's purge protection and, and things like that on it as well to uh, help do it. And of course, access is, you know, secured quite well, and we'll talk about that later. Okay, so... Um, we've we've got a place, a secure container um, that we can store uh, potentially sensitive uh, information inside. So um, can you give us some examples of why you might want to use a key vault? So come of it, so some of it, the way that I've used it is that um, before managed identities at least came in and where we didn't have to sort of manage the, those secrets, um, when doing stuff with um, Azure Graph and things like that, where you've got to have a source principle, you know, with a client ID and and secrets, um, because you know I use a lot of um, logic apps, things like that. Then I use I use it in in those those flows, so that I don't have to store that secret in plain text in effect in the logic app. I can secure it in there, and then I can give access to to the um, to the key vault from the logic app. Um, and this can be, you know, again, when we talk about it later around the thing, the, uh, the accessing, you know, it could be a managed identity accessing those keys or certificates, etc. So sort of one example, um, again, you could use it for function apps and, you know, you know app service. So um, as part of some of the, um, let me think about this now, the, conf- the parameters or the configuration settings, I think it is, Sam, I can't, I can't remember what part of that, that part it is um you can in effect do a secure like a, a link to it as part of the parameters so you don't so it links to the key vault and then you just give the system managed identity for that um, app service or function app access to the key vault and then it just pulls that as a parameter so you don't even have to worry about in your code um trying to connect to the key vault it you know the 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 actual function app or service app what service can do it for you yeah i've definitely seen before um from app service and function apps a lot of sense potentially sensitive information being stored you know in the configuration um section of app service you know and um i think there's a uh we'll come on to our back a, a bit later about securing a keyboard and why it's different to maybe other uh, structures inside of azure but um this is a way that you can effectively um, um, hide away those the access to those uh, the, those secrets away from potentially say you know um, the owner or operator of that that app service because as Alan mentioned you can connect um, your your configuration parameters uh, directly to Key Vault so you could have somebody else uh, with a different RBAC structure managing you know the the keys and the, uh, the keys and potential secrets. And um and sort of uh what should we say transparently pass that through into the application code. I suppose once you get into the application code, you still got access to to them there. Um, but from a portal administration perspective, um, you you don't have access. Yeah, definitely. And some of the other things. So I've also used it in Power Platform. So bringing keys into into that environment, which has been um, useful at times. Um, the other ones as well, which is more around actual Azure services. So this is, um, Azure disk encryption. So they use it to store the, the 
um, recovery keys, I think it is, isn't it? Um, in there. Um, so that's one thing, and that's all sort of self-managed itself, providing the um, the virtual machine has permission to you know to to put that information in there. And probably from an access perspective, so it doesn't necessarily have to be something in Azure that can access it, providing that they've got a source principle that can connect to it. Um, you can um, you know, use, you know, there's a REST API uh, and Microsoft has um, quite a few examples of different um, code languages that can, um, that can, you know, examples to, you know, to be able to connect to it. So that's like, you know, .NET, um, Java, Node.js, and Python. And then, yeah, like I said, there's a REST API. Um, mostly around the REST API, I... No, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about not the REST API. I'm thinking of the um, Logic App um, connector. I was going to say that you can only pull data from it because that's what we found recently, wasn't it, Sam? That you can only read the, the secrets, all the metadata on the secrets, um, but you couldn't actually create them, create secrets or update them, could you? No, you can via the REST API, right? But just yeah. not the actual inbuilt connector. No, it's a bit of a um, a gap there. Yeah, so you can um, uh, just sort of talking about access is that you know one of the security parts to it is that you can lock down how you access it, access the key file. It can be out on the internet, which then just needs you know RBAC permissions to access it. Um, you can lock it down to certain IPs um, to to Azure services like you know disk encryption and things like that. Um, but also you can hook it up to a you can put a private link onto it so that it can join up to a key vault. So if you're running all your services through a a um a VNet a network and that you can um you can hook it all up into that. So so effectively this um uh, key vault kind of has a network interface not not an actual nick but it's it's got network connectivity right and you can decide um like other the, the way that i sort of uh, see it is it's it's very similar to app service like firewall rules as well you know um when you when you build those out you know you're you're getting the ability to uh, really in a really granular firewall based way um limit access to uh, to that and as you say binding it to a vnet so that you could theoretically have it completely private, you know, from a networking perspective anyway, um, is 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 really powerful. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so um, in the uh, original, um, when I asked you about the overview, uh, you explained there's two types, Vault and Managed HSM. Can you just um, uh, take us through that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So the vault is really just a you know in effect a cloud based container to store it. It you know it does keys and certificates, um, and the the cryptographic uh, keys. Um, that's kind of you know fully managed by Microsoft. You know you don't sort of really look after that in some sense, uh, apart from obviously the RBAC inside of things. And that's probably the simplest to probably to set up. Um, and then you've got uh, the managed HSM, the um, the hardware security module, and that is um, that kind of come under. There's two tiers of Key Vault. There's standard and premium. Um, premium brings the ability to be able to use HSM. That's the the, the sort of key main difference around them. Um, so 
the the managed HSM, as it sounds, is is managed by Microsoft. Um, you prov- it provides you know it's in a single tenant. Um, it's zone you know resilient um, where it's available. Um, it's highly available and you know, and it's you know, store and manage your, your cryptographic keys. Um, it's mainly you know it's mainly used around when you have very highly sensitive keys. Um, or maybe you have to meet, you know, regulatory compliances um, around it. You know, ha- owning the, you know, having hardware, hardware, um, hardware modules and things like that. So that's, that's really the main kind of things. Apart from the price, which we'll talk about later, um, there's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose if you're um, if you're not in a regulatory scenario where you potentially need sort of protection from Microsoft, I assume that's where. Um, just I call it standard vaults would be fine for you in that scenario. Um, and then if you if you are at a sort of uh, that you need to follow a regulatory compliance framework that's maybe tighter than that, there is a you know a, a hardware based I suppose end to end process there for you um, should you want to protect yourself from from Microsoft. Not that you need to, but you know potentially I should say. Um, but but you do have that option if you need to. Yeah, and because it's managed, you don't have to worry about looking after the hardware and things like that. Because there's some services that um, I'm think. I mean, I'm thinking of the um, things like double key encryption for information protection, um, where it needed, where you need, you know, to manage that. Um, you can include HSM into that. But that is all kind of like you look after it. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, because we we've got customer managed keys in a lot of areas, haven't we? Right, and I suppose we don't have we don't have the concept of that here, do we? We have um, sort of Microsoft managed or you know sort of then hardware based um, you know end to end management of those because because I assume that because this can actually store things like private keys, right? You know, theoretically it could store your cust- well could store your customer managed keys as well. <laughs> you know, so th- there's a it's like chicken and egg, like you need. <laughs> you need something hardware to you know uh, to protect that system end to end right because you can't use a customer managed key that microsoft then like control if if that makes sense right you need yeah so, yeah that is true yeah customer managed key stored in the key vault which is managed by microsoft yeah <laughs> yes exactly yeah. so it's like it's like obscurity, chicken and egg obscurity yeah. for your, of security for your obscurity on the other services yeah yeah well it's just yeah <laughs> yeah but the you know yeah so it's kind of like, what's the point of using all these customer managed keys when your key vaults are managed by by Microsoft anyway? <laughs> you know, not that I'm saying you should um, go to managed HSM level because it, it's rather expensive. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, okay, cool. Um, anything else on those two types, Alan? Um, I, I think vaults is where we usually hang out, isn't it, Al? Because we we don't really have um, many other uh, requirements, you know. For the stuff we sort of build, yeah, no, we we mainly stay in, in in vaults itself, yeah, because we only really use the secrets part um, from the stuff that we do. Um, but we've, I mean, probably going back to our sort of previous question, uh, it it can actually be anything in there. Uh, and previously, um, before using parameters and logic apps, um, I used to use it as a as a single location for those parameters in some sense because. If we had multiple logic apps needing the same information, it's almost like a central store for those variables. 
um, which could be used for any app, including, you know, it could go across multiple like function apps and including like um, power platform and keeping them secure. I mean, some of them may not be sensitive, um, but it's one way that we did start to use it. I mean, we've moved away from it a little bit um, because we're using parameters and things like that. But, but yeah, it's kind of a, a solution we had as well. I think you've just got to take, you know, any bit of data you might use in your application. You think, is this, you know, is this sensitive? You know, w- would I, would I be happy with this being publicly available? You know, and if, if that's a, if that's a no, then key vaults are a pretty obvious place to, to store it. Right. You know, if you've just got configuration uh, parameters, maybe for your logic app, which, you know, maybe defines like the time of day it runs or, you know some other spurious you know value that you need to potentially store then that's absolutely fine in a parameter right because you don't need to have the overhead of and also being reliant on key vault in order to 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 grab that information so um so yeah so uh, you know uh, for me you know like it like it said i think that's the conclusion that we've come to is that if it is sensitive it gets stored in key vault you know, for extra protection. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah. Okay. So can we talk a little bit about setup? Um, how easy is it to, to, to set up? Um, um, am I going to have to spend multiple hours PowerShell APIs to get this thing out the door? So I don't know about, so I don't know about the managed HSM cause I've never needed to do that. So I can't really comment on that. Um, so I don't know how long that might take to spin up to allocate you maybe some hardware and things like that. Um, but the, the general vault, um, it's, it's relatively easy. There's very little configuration initially. Um, there's some caveats that we need to talk about. Um, but yeah, so you, you know, you go into the, you know, create a key vault, you search for it. Um, you give it a name. That's one caveat. Um, I'll talk about it in a minute. You choose your location, your resource group, um, standard or premium. Um, and then, so let's go back to the name. So I can't remember what it is, but it, it's not, it's not, um, it's got to be unique across the whole of the resource uh, across Azure. And it's only something like 12 characters or something like that, Sam. I can't remember what it is. It's It's short. No, it's shorter than that, isn't it, I think. It's either 13 or 23, isn't it? The key vault? Oh, I don't think it's 23. I don't know. But, but somebody, yeah, needs to have, somebody needs to have a word with <laughs> Azure pla- <laughs> platform team about <laughs> the differences between <laughs> naming length um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and naming standards in Azure because it always really <laughs> confuses me. <laughs> I don't have my cheat sheet uh, here. <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah, it's so it's short. So if it you've got short, a... Yeah a standard um it's kind of similar to storage counts isn't it where you can't have dashes and everything it's all gonna be lowercase and things like that um but yeah it's it's short so if you've got any naming conventions that you would you know know, um follow um it's probably going to break all of those um we've had that problem recently it's (laughs) um uh... i was i was one off it's 24 for a key vault Uh, so i didn't yeah okay i just looked it up like sorry Googled it. That's all right. That's all right. It's um, that's good. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking about some of the stuff we've worked on, and we still can't get it to fit in 24 characters. Our uh, 
our build. Yeah, because especially when you're talking about you know cloud adoption framework naming standards and <laughs> and all of that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, trying to make it truly unique and yeah, and yeah, it's 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 a bit of a pain. Yep. Okay. So as part of the other setup as well, you can enable purge protection, which means that it can't be deleted for X amount of time. So um, that's really good from a security perspective. Um, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but after that, and you click, you know, you click save and fish, give it some tags and complete it within, I think it's like less than 30 seconds, this build, it's almost like instantly done. It's there for you to use. And then you can go in there. Um, and then we'll talk about our back and then you can start, you can start using it. Um, one thing to consider if you do have purge protection on, um, you can't disable it after you've done it. It's only done on creation. Um, and if you decide to delete it, because maybe you're doing, um, maybe the example is that you're doing Terraform and you're testing your deployment and, you know, destroy and, and things like that. Um, you destroy it or delete it, um, but it doesn't actually delete it because it's purge protected for 30 days. And you can't recreate it because all the names have to be unique. So you're stuck in a little bit of a waiting game at that point. We've had that a couple of times, Sam, where we've turned it on and not realized. Yeah, purge protection is great until you actually want to purge something. I think that's... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, definitely. It is one of those... Um, it is one of those potential gotchas, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, 100%. But yeah, it's it's. I think the 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 worst part, the hardest part, is getting the name, because as I said, it has to be unique across the, you know, across the Azure environment. Doesn't matter what region or anything like that. Um, so that could be not. It's not. I've never hit anything really, but you might have something that you're doing dev, and then you you've actually chosen the you know the production name or something by accident, and then you get into that purge situation. Okay, so yeah, so as you said, it spins up pretty quickly, um, and I can I can definitely vouch for that. Uh, when I see my terraforms running, um, it definitely doesn't take long to create a, a key vault. Um, that's for sure. And once it's set up, Alan, do we have portal access to update all of the various different types of data that we might want to store in it? Um, how how do we how do we go about accessing it? So, even if you are an owner. So the highest tier of of access, um, you can't access the keys or certificates, which is very unique, I think, and good. Um, but yeah, we've even you know even if you've got you know contribution access, you create it. Um, you can't you know you can't then change those keys. The only way you can change it is by actually giving yourself some additional roles. On that subscription or on that you know that that key vault to do it and that is um i think it's key vault admin or administrator or um there's things like um secrets officer key vault secret officer and key vault certificate officer that will then allow you to have access to the keys to be able to even create them let alone read them um so it's really good it does does so to be able to give you know to provide those roles to a user um you either have to have own or you have to have the, the user admin privilege or privilege admin 
the user administration access or something like that. The other the other role that provides the RBAC side of it to be able to give it. So we I've been stuck sometimes when uh, creating key vaults for you know projects things like that, and then you go to go you go to, you go there to um, you know create your keys. You know the last bit you need to do, and you can't access it. And then you got to wait wait for uh, someone to give you access to do it, or you know give you PIM access to elevate to that role. Yeah, we uh, we've had that where we've been a contributor because we've said no, we definitely don't want owner. Like we don't <laughs> we don't want to have to worry about like our back <laughs> of other people <laughs> and things like that. And then you forget it's like oh, but you know, um, Keyvot has its own our back structure <laughs> really <laughs> built into it. And then you're like, damn it, I do actually need to be able to do that just for <laughs> just for Keyvot. So it can be a bit of a pain um, sometimes, like you say. But I think it's. Um, I think what it just shows is it it does show that even if you are um I mean I suppose if you are an owner you've got permission to to add your own you know um add yourself to those roles I suppose but that is all audited I, I suppose and um maybe we should talk about PIM as well uh, do, do you want to talk about that now as about how you could potentially secure access to those uh, with PIM just a quick deviation sorry Alan that's all right. It'll tie on to a couple of weeks ago, wouldn't it, when I went through PIM. Exactly. Previous yeah. identity management yeah, just, when we talk about that. Yeah, I just think Key Vault's a great uh, use case for it, right? You know, because there, there is such sensitive information in Key Vault. Yeah, so, uh, you know, to add extra security on it and those roles that I was just talking about, even um, uh, just, in fact, just before we talk about PIM, um, there are some other roles there that you can do, which are, in effect, you know, security or, or secrets reader. So they're the ones that you'd give to your services trying to access it. Um, and you can, uh, well, so don't, we don't normally do it ourselves because of the, you know, the key vaults are specific to the logic apps we're using and things like that. I think you can actually do RBAC on the actual secrets as well. So you can go down to that level if you need to, um, which I think is really good as well. Um, but yeah, privilege identity management um, allows you to do just-in-time access to um to roles in azure ad and azure and various other places so just a quick recap there in case anyone hasn't listened to the other episode um but in this scenario what you can do then is put do a pim role against you know the secrets administrator or secret officer um and put a you know requires mfa and put an approval process on it so you know that so you know when people are you know accessing that key vault and that they've got a you know legitimate reason to access those keys, because like you said, or like we've said, I should say, um, you know those that information is is sensitive to to the applications running and things like that. Yeah, because even if you're um, sort of an owner or operator of say some infrastructure, that doesn't necessarily give you the right to be able to you know look at sensitive information right in the environment. You know, you might have RBAC structures in place to you know, protect uh, data stores of sensitive information. You know, if, if you're running, say, a um, some sort of system that um, stores a potentially, conf- you know, highly confidential information, um, you know, the just because somebody's an administrator of the infrastructure doesn't, you know, necessarily give them the day-to-day right to be able to access that, you know, information. It might be that they need to give justification to do that. So, so really, because Key Vault is sort of 
the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, right? You know, it's it's potentially okay, it might not actually be sort of PII sensitive data, but it could potentially arm you with the access to be able to do that. Um, you know, I'm thinking like um uh private keys that you know are used to um uh, well private um uh, private um like values that are used to say generate tokens you know as part of a uh, a token exchange inside of an api you know yeah given that master key um you could then theoretically masquerade as you know uh, um, as that api and, and generate your own you know uh, tokens uh, to be used so so from a an attack perspective you know there's there's you know it's not the actual data itself but it's it, it could be you know um easy access to the data that's 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 important with these these keys so i i think if you are an organization that has um if you've got to the level of pim especially in azure right alan you know uh, azure pim is um should we say that's another level on top of you know AAD really um, in terms of uh, I'm going to call it maturity really in Azure right you know because um, I've seen lots of tenants which are just like you know blanket owner across all subscriptions you know uh, no pimming into different environments things like that I'm not saying that's best practice but I have seen that in the wild um, but uh, pim in Azure is maybe. Should we, should we say it's more complicated than Azure AD just because of the number of roles and the scopes of those roles? I suppose it can become a little bit complex, can't it? Yeah, Azure AD is very, I say, static. There is quite a lot of roles there, but it's only one. Yes, it's one location, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. It's only yeah. it's only like thirty. I don't know how many. I can't remember how many roles there, but say it's like thirty roles for one Azure AD. You don't have ten Azure ADs, do you? Where with with Azure, you might have multiple resource groups, and maybe you want a different RBAC model based on those resource groups. So that could be, you know, one times X, or you know, ten times X, whatever you know your roles are. You might have multiple subscriptions that you want to manage, and then you've got the whole management group layer as well. So it can get quite complex there from from a PIM perspective, but. Um, it depends how large the, the you know the environment is and how granular you want to be with those controls. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't dissuade anybody of PIM in in Azure, um, but I think it does from a structure perspective. It does need to be thought about a little bit more, and there is potentially you can induce introduce extra complexity there if if you so wish. But um, using PIM to to allow people to elevate to access these um, these potentially highly sensitive you know. Um, keys is really powerful, especially with the audit trail and the justification that needs to um, be put in place, especially with the time, you know, bound nature of it. So yeah, um, I, I'm a big proponent of it uh, for sure in Azure. Yeah. And, you know, going through that approval process as well, doesn't have to be just a self-elevation, you know, if you have to go through some sort of approval process to say, I'm accessing these keys to update it because I've got the new one or like, I don't yeah, mean to. I, I also to. don't mean to be really funny, but like, how often do you really, from a day-to-day perspective, need to access a key vault? You know, it's it's usually storing. Okay, maybe it's storing time-bound information, and you need to go and update it. But um, from my perspective, you know, having to wait for 
um, approval for an elevation uh, for Keyvolt, I don't particularly think is, you know, um, a, a massive overhead for a lot of users, I, I wouldn't say. No. No, like I said, you know, using measure identities and other source principles to access it to read, you know, that's that that you know that wouldn't go through PIM because that's so it's running you know day in day out. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so we can store. So, so so the first sort of thing I think about right is we could store you know um, uh, keys, you know, potentially private keys, um, certificates. Um, let's call it any sort of secret that you might have, you know, um, passwords, um, master, master tokens, uh, X, Y, or Z. Um, d- does it have a sort of life cycle, life cycle management part to it? You know, I'm thinking, you know, my keys expire over time. They maybe need to be, you know, renewed and refresh. Um, uh, what about that? Yes. So I briefly talked about some of that, um, We've sort of spoken about some of it uh, previously, but, but yes, it does have um, against the keys or the, the secrets at least, um, oh, and the keys, to be honest. Um, but the secrets, yes, you can put an expiry date on them. You can also put a, a, an activation date. So maybe you've got something preparing to come into into service um, as a secret. Um, and yeah, yeah, you can put an expiry on it. And then, you know, in effect, it, it, it stops that key from being being used then um as well as um versioning so you can see the different versions of the key that you've the secret so at least then if by accident it's bit expired or um you've created a new key on top of it you know you've got that history as well and there's still a um in effect it's soft delete um previously you you were you were able to choose whether to enable or disable soft delete but microsoft have in effect made it default now and you can't turn it off which is which is great um so yes you can do expiry you can add um tags to to the the secrets as well so maybe if you're doing um some searching from from your app to identify those tags um or those secrets um it can you know it can cut down the search or the filters um rotation so on the um on the certificate side, you can rotate the keys as and when you, you require to. Um, and same thing with, with as the secrets, you, you've got expiry dates on there, so they you know they become expired. Um, and like we talked about, you've got purge protection, which is more around the key vault itself, where you know you can stop it from being accidentally deleted. Maybe even from, you know, maybe that's from uh you know an internal rogue um employee, you know, maybe a bad actor that's in your Azure or maybe just by accident deleting that resource group and then, you know, breaking, you know, your, your production system maybe. So it does protect you against that sort of stuff rather than, um, yeah, I think that's the main reason, isn't it, Sam? So, so yeah. Yeah. For me, it's all around, you know, um, for instance, if you generated like a highly secure private key, you know, that is, maybe really important to you know your applications and your processes um one of the challenges of that is well one is keeping it secure right which is which is a challenge um you know um having an rbac structure around it which is what key vault gives us really right it's extra layers of uh, potential protection um for the, for those uh, keys but then the other one is also um 
uh, protection against deletion. You know, because if you were to lose that key, if for any reason, um, you know, cryptographically, it could be very challenging um, to, <laughs> to to potentially, um, you know, have secure access to systems, get into systems and, you know, and to actually refresh that. So I think that's where, you know, purge protection comes in and it basically says, you know, if you accidentally, you know, um, fat finger screw up and click on the wrong thing, right, and happen to, you know, <laughs> dance past all the warnings and everything like that, you know, purge protection is going to kick in, you know, um, and, and do that. And we we do see, um, you know, Azure policy that's in place and, and standards, which do say that, you know, purge protection should be enabled, you know, to, to, for, for those levels of protection. Um, you know, uh, policy can also bring in things like um, enforcing that um, um, items should um, expire after a certain amount of time. So you're not creating long running keys, you know, and, and things like that. So not only are you getting like a bucket to store your stuff in, you've also got um, uh, functionality to control access to that bucket of information, uh, you know, best practice in terms of managing it and also best practice in terms of, you know, accidentally, you know, deleting potentially, you know, really sensitive and important keys. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've not, well, I've not done it yet. I've not accidentally deleted one yet. Um, it's, it's not necessarily hope, hopefully I don't, but, um, it's more I, around I, when we're... I have in real life. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. Trust me. Um, that's, that's a story that's never going to see the light of day, but yeah, um, you, you definitely <laughs> don't want to accidentally delete a private key. Uh, trust me. Well, it's, I'm just thinking around some of the scenarios that you might use it. I'm thinking if you've got an app service where you're running your website and you're using it as your SSL key and it's being you know, your private key stored in there. Um, yeah, it's great. It's away from the website. No one hopefully can pwn it from the site. If there's, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, if that disappeared, then just, just think of something like, whatever, just yeah. think of like a private key that you might um, SSH to a Linux box with. <laughs> I'm yes. not that's that's definitely not my that's definitely not my example but um uh you know um if you talk to lots of you know sysadmins and developers that have to you know um uh use um private keys to 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 access you know sensitive uh, sensitive systems you could potentially completely lock yourself out of of certain systems I have been on uh, projects before where that has happened and uh, luckily we've had access to say you know maybe sort of some sort of administrative in, uh, interface where we've been able to back it up but effectively you then get to the part part where you just have to nuke the box and move it across you know and um so there is a real from a deletion perspective there is a real danger there but i mean all of my examples are from years and years and years ago it's not um, there's, there's, well, there's, there's tooling and everything to do that now. Like, you know, um, well, things like Key Vault exist, you know, and there are other systems mm. that are similar to Key Vault. Um, you know, uh, not just cloud-based, but also on-prem and you know, on device and, and different things like that. But, um, but, but, you know, for, for me as a, um, I'm not going to call myself an ex-developer because I don't think I am an ex-developer, but. Somebody that just develops less now, you know, I, I have seen those challenges in the real world. So that's why I absolutely love Key Vault because it takes a lot of, I can sleep easier at night knowing that, yeah, there's something else managing all of those uh, challenges for me, should I say. 
definitely. Yeah, well, I did see the other day um, whilst we were we were testing out that um, bastion that when if you're doing SSH, you can actually select you know get your key from the key vault, so you don't even have to know it, just have access to it, yeah. which is great as well, isn't it? Because it means you don't one have to manage it, but two, you no one can pwn it from you because you don't have it. <laughs> you don't have it. I don't know. All all I know is I've got <laughs> like you know I I can potentially you know pim into this role which allows me to get access to this this key which then allows me access to this this box right and if you're using bastion that box is probably not connected to the internet right so you're you're connecting to a i use air quotes isolated environment via a key that is completely managed via you know azure ad roles and and pim to, to to block access to it you know um I'm not sure how impactful that is for a user. Okay, maybe if they can't self-elevate and you've got PIM there where they have to wait for approval to elevate, but maybe you don't even do that. You just do self-elevation, go into PIM, bang, I want you know access to the server for two hours. Granted, okay, great, I've got access to the key vault and now I can you know, pull my SSH key from Bastion to use it. Like, yeah. you know. I guess, yeah, you can make it as... Not say not necessarily saying more secure in in that because all these you know all these functions are adding to it. But if you need more control, I think it is against different resources. Maybe you do go to that level of approval and things like that if it is you know, highly sensitive. Yeah, but it it all comes down to like permissions creep, doesn't it? And this is what happens over time: is you know users get more and more powerful over time, and inadvertently. We're not talking. This isn't like malice. This is just like the fact of you know. It's, uh, you know, um, admin A was working on this project. Admin A now works on this project and this project and this project. And by the time you get, maybe they've got multiple roles that they've been in in the organization. And now, you know, maybe they're, they've gone up management layers and now they've still got their old access and things like that, right? You know, that's where, that's where all of these different, you can get these, um, uh, scenarios where somebody is from a permissions perspective is very powerful and they are like a golden target for somebody to you know effectively um, take over their identity so we, we want those challenges when they're actually asking for access to sensitive you know areas you know because um, you know maybe that person's moved to like a um, a project management role let's say or something like that or their team lead you know um, still technical but maybe they're managing you know uh, people and then they suddenly, you know, um, request PIM for, you know, a sensitive area or for Key Vault. And you're like, that's not right. You know, that user, you know, even though they've, they're still PIM eligible, they shouldn't be doing it. You know, so you've got those gates um, in, in place as you go, which is, is, a lot more, is a lot more powerful, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And I just thought about something. Um, another way to help with security is also to enable... Uh, the defender for cloud workload against it, um, where it looks at the you know, transactions and the activity within it, and what acts, how, how often stuff is accessing it. So that will help with um, you know seeing if um, malicious IPs or anything like that are trying to access it, or you know all of a sudden there's a you know a, a spike in access, maybe. Well, it's giving you that baselining, isn't it? What does normal look like, you know, on an everyday basis, you know? Um, like this, this you know, secret is accessed once a week, and just just weirdly now it's being accessed twenty times a week, right? You know, like what's yeah. 
you know what's going on there so you're just layering on aren't you you know different solutions there uh, to give you visibility okay um what so the the big we've been we've been talking about key vault for 44 minutes so i i think unless there's any other areas alan i'm going to talk to you about the costs but are there any sort of other functional areas that you want to talk about um for key vault that you think uh, people should know not not off the top of my head. I can't think of anything. The only one that I've got is there is region connectivity with Key Vault, isn't there? I think it's definitely for Azure Disk Encryption. You have to have your Key Vault in the same region. Yes. Is that okay. right? Uh, if I to access yeah. it, is that is that correct? If you're going uh, inside Azure. Yeah. If you're going, if it's Azure services or you're hooking up to a um, a network VNet, then yes, it has to be in the same region. That's right, isn't it? But I, I think you can access it. I think you can access them in different regions. Um, if you're just accessing it, yeah, you know, over the internet, yeah, like via the REST API and yeah. via those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, that was the only thing because I'm sure I've had it in the past where we've gone to deploy Azure Disk Encryption, and we haven't had a key vault in the right region. I'm sure I've bumped into that before. Just something in the back of my mind that. Um, uh, I just had that. Okay, let's talk about pricing then, Alan. Uh, how much is this bad boy going to cost me? So, if we're talking about vaults, and like I said, there are two tiers, but in in the vaults world, it doesn't matter because the only difference, like I said, is really having the HSM protection. So, to store to, to not to store secrets, but to access them or to do transactions against secrets uh, for 10,000 transactions it is a whopping 2.5p which sorry for how many transactions yeah. 10,000 two and a half pence per 10,000 transactions yes so you'd have to have a very busy website or something to to do that the 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 logic apps we build definitely don't run anything like that uh, in our sort of thing. So that's that's good. So it's kind of cheap, very cheap. If you're you know starting out with it, at least maybe you have got something that is very transaction heavy. But again, you have to be doing a lot to even break you know a pound. Even a hundred thousand transactions going to be twenty five p. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, certificate operation. So renewing a certificate uh, is £2.42, £2.43 if you round up um, per renewal. So maybe they're once a year, maybe once every two years if you've got a you know a two-year cert. And all other operations is, again, 2.5p per 10,000 transactions. So accessing that, that cert. I think that's pretty good. Yep. Um, there is a preview um, managed Azure storage account key rotation. Uh, I think this is brand brand new. I think it's only been out a couple of weeks. Um, it's free in the preview, but they're, they, they're suggesting that um, GA is going to be um, 81p per renewal. So again, not too bad. So I'm guessing that's per rotation that you do. Um, software protected keys, uh, 
These are generally the same again between standard and, and um, premium. RSA 248-bit uh, keys are, again, 25, 2.5p per 10,000 transactions. Um, advanced key types, uh, which is RSA 3072, RSA 4096, uh, elliptic curve keys, um, they're 12.2p per 10,000 transactions. So again, nothing to really to really worry about unless you're doing a lot of transactions. So then we come to HSM protection, protected keys. So you can't get them on standard, as we kind of said before. Um, in uh, premium or, or 2048 key, 2048 key is uh, 8, or 81p per key per month and 2.5p per 10,000 transactions. Sounds okay. Uh, advanced keys uh, for your first 250 keys is four pound per key, which is quite a lot more than you know the standard stuff. Um, and then there's various tiers for that. Um, rotation is 81p for those keys, and then the actually managed HM HSM pool, so your actual hardware. Uh, so this is two pound fifty nine per hour. Wowza. So I suppose it, it, what what you're saying is is that I need to have a hardware HSM pool before I even start to use hardware HSM. Is that correct? Because I suppose I need a pool yes. in order to run those those keys, right? So I've not only got the per key cost and transaction cost, I've also got the underlying, I suppose it's hardware or, you know, dedicated hardware for, for, for me to utilize. Yeah, I mean, I don't know at the moment, because I've never deployed it because I've not had a need to, but I wonder if you're able to have multiple pools in the same key vault to maybe have different, you know, sets of secrets that you need to keep separate, maybe. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But Yeah, but as, two, as you can tell, that's 59? the reason why, <laughs> yeah, we haven't actually got to that stage of uh utilizing it it would be very what what i'd like what i'd love to see is i'd love to um i'd, I'd love to uh, talk to an organization that's using uh key vault at that sort of level with uh hsm and also somebody that's um got sort of scaling issues with key vault you know because because a lot of the you know um you know we said like per ten thousand was like two and a half p and things like that um it really makes you think about how much they actually make from key vault, you know, and how, because <laughs> uh, well, I suppose there's lots of key vaults anyway, if people, you know, because it's per 10,000, right? I assume you pay for your first 10,000 once you start using it, I would have thought, right? So, so, you know, but there, there must be work. I, I'm just thinking that because usually what you would do is if, if it was an application, you know, for each instance, you would load your key vault keys and then you would, You'd cache them into, you know, maybe you'd cache them into memory or protected memory. Uh, we talked about confidential computing a, a few weeks ago, didn't we? Um, so I just, I, I do wonder, you know, how, but I suppose, uh, but I, I suppose the other side of it is if you do have keys that are maybe shared between applications and, and workloads, that those could, those numbers could rocket up, I, I suppose. Yeah. They could, and you might have something that is, you know, it might be part of a function app where there's multiple things 
posting to it maybe that it's, it's running you know new new runs and things like that i guess if it was a um uh, not a a consumption one but maybe it's always on the you know the the app service version that you can just have multiple you know, the function that can trigger multiple times at the same time you know you know i don't know i can't think of well any of the apps that we build at least it, well i build at least i don't think i'd ever see hitting that within i don't think i any of my apps would actually hit that within a year to be honest no exactly yeah no it is it is really interesting and um and and i think it's you know as as we've spoken about kivo is a really good you know uh tool in our our toolbox for for what we do uh, for sure very powerful alan anything else that you want to talk about or should we wrap it up there no, I think that's it on Keyvault. Um, I probably missed a few things, but like I said, I only really, only really use the secrets part of it for what I do day to day. To day. Um, but yeah, cool. Thanks very much, Alan. That was a um, a great um, a great overview of Keyvault. Um, just to tease the next episode, I'm going to be talking about the Azure Developer CLI. Um, it's a relatively new CLI which can do some uh, fun and exciting things. So uh, yeah, uh, let, let, let's. Uh, crack on with that one next time if you've enjoyed this episode please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future we have many topics that we'd like to cover and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward we also have the ability for you to give us some feedback uh, did you enjoy this episode disagree with our thoughts or did i miss something um, please use the form in the in the notes for the episode to leave us a message we'd love to hear from you Thanks very much, Alan, and we'll see you all in the next one. Cheers. Yep, thanks, everyone. Speak to you soon. Bye.